As God's people fell into sin, the Spirit had been dispatched to go and help God's beloved creatures. The Spirit revealed himself as a being who helps and empowers people to do things they cannot normally do. The Spirit gave Elisha a double portion of himself. He helped Joel see into the future. But the Spirit did not always rescue the people from trouble. But now a new hero has entered the picture. His name is Jesus. He has helped many people find the right path, but his time is about to come to an end. As Jesus finishes his ministry, he offers them a new hope. Welcome to our second week of our series, The Force versus the Spirit. The sermon asked the question, is there a real difference between the force of Star Wars and the Holy Spirit? It's a really a, it seems a strange question, but it's actually very legitimate because most people don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. In this culture today, you might know more people who know a lot more about the force than they do about the Holy Spirit. I know Star Wars is not everyone's cup of tea. And I want you to know that this series is mainly about the Holy Spirit. We're just using the, the Force as a launching pad. However, if you are a Star Wars fan, I hope to throw in a few Easter eggs for you today. Again, we don't understand that much about the Spirit. We know that the, the, the Spirit has power like the Force does. But for most of us, it seems like the Spirit is beyond our grasp. Something we can never quite get to. It's like we see other people seem to have the Holy Spirit, and they do part of great things, but we sometimes think, what what do they have that I don't have? And many of us, like myself, who have... I grew up in a United Methodist church, and we at one point had a, a pastor come in to be our pastor who was Pentecostal. It was divisive. It was unique. It was weird. (laughs) I have to admit, I thought to myself, I've got a bad feeling about this. But because of this type of thing, we become content to kind of push the Holy Spirit off. At least I have to some degree because of this experience. And we let the Holy Spirit play like third fiddle to, to God and Jesus. And we don't, we just kind of like, well, we'll just, that needs to change. We need to be able to say the Spirit is part of our church. The Spirit is welcome in our church. And it's not just for weirdos. And again, that's my prejudice. That's my background coming through. Maybe you don't have those thoughts about being weird. But I grew up it being weird. So far, we've journeyed through the Old Testament. We've seen both the Spirit as both creator, someone who empowers his people. Today, we get to look at the Gospels and the book of Acts. We'll see what Jesus says about the Spirit, how followers respond to his teachings about the Spirit. So let's begin looking at Luke 11. And this chapter begins with the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. Note, not how to do miracles, not how to have power, but how to pray Teach us how to pray. And Jesus leaves them in what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But what I discovered in this last couple months, and some of you have heard this story, is that segues when he he recites the Lord's Prayer, teaches them how to pray, he goes right into a parable. Right after that teaching, meaning I think that they're kind of linked 
to this teaching about prayer. And so Luke 11, 5 through 10 says this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, oh, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. What's God teaching us about prayer? Showing us that we need to be bold and, and patient and persistent in our request to God. But what specifically does the bread represent in this parable? What specifically is, is this treasured resource that we must have? Well, let's read the next three verses. Luke 11, 11 through 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, even though you are evil then how to get and, and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The bread that the neighbor so desperately needs is the Holy Spirit. This is what God is saying is so vital for to ask for and to be diligent in asking for. So the first thing we take home from the Gospels here is these three things. The Spirit is something we should ask for. Number two, the Spirit is something we should keep asking for. And number three, the Spirit is something God wants to give those who ask. It's very clear. And yet, I don't know that I've ever taught that before. I'm not saying I didn't believe it to some degree, but persistent asking of God, we need your Holy Spirit. So how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to get complicated here, but let me read John 3, 3-8. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, if you've ever watched the initial Star Wars, sometimes we forget that Luke almost didn't go with Obi-Wan off on this great adventure. Right? He says, I've got responsibilities at home. I've I, I got a family, at least the only family he ever known. It wasn't until this family got killed, aunt and uncle, really, that he said, there's nothing for here, me here. There's nothing here for me now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. So there's something about the Spirit that will take us in new places, 
unexpected. Did you hear that line? For you, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is it with everyone born of the Spirit. When you decide to, 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 to leave home and, 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 and follow the Spirit, you don't know exactly where it's going to take you. Surrender. Remember, we heard that this morning in our songs, in our prayers. Surrender. We must each make decisions about whether we want the Spirit in our lives because if we choose the Spirit, guess what? It might take us somewhere different than what we are comfortable with, what we are safe with. So let's take note. The Spirit comes to us when we are born again and He begins to change us. So there, there's something that not only happens with the Spirit that is outside of us, there is something that happens in us. The Spirit is both and. We are born again. He begins to change us from the inside. And we are encouraged to foster that Spirit that we get when we are born again. So when you, are, when you make that decision to follow Christ, the Spirit comes inside of you. And then number five, our lives are not our own at this point. Now that's your choice but you can actually live and act with the influence of the Spirit and grow that Spirit in you. But you'll take some surrendering on your part. Now, I realize this opens up lots of questions. We'll have to get to all those as we be, move forward, so be patient. Jesus also makes it clear in other scriptures that the miracles are not a guarantee the person has a Spirit. You can do all types of things. And if Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. So be careful. We want, to, we want to so link the Spirit with power and miracles that we can shortchange the Spirit and just do the power of miracles and the Spirit's not there anymore. The, the goal must be the Spirit. And if the Spirit produces power and miracles, great! But the Spirit is the goal. A Jedi Knight can be often identified by their powers. But a person led by the Spirit is known more by the way they live than the miracles that they are part of. Again, going back to last week's teaching, it makes a person like Jesus. Some of the best passages of the Spirit come from John chapters 14 through 16. If you want to read some good chapters on the Spirit. And then Acts 2. We're going to read just a couple little snippets from each of those. First of all, John 14 and 17 says this. Regarding the spirit of the truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Did you catch the dual role there? The spirit is both in you and will be with you. So what we get confused about as Christians is we don't, was the spirit, well, is that something that takes place in us or around us or, or how does that, yes. The Spirit has multiple ways of, of, of working. And one of them, them is in us, and one of them is beyond us, around us, if you will. The first act that when you, are, when you are born again, you must remember that two things happen to you when you first make that decision to surrender your life. You are forgiven and sometimes we forget the second. You are given. And you are given the Holy Spirit. 
it's maybe not fostered that much. Maybe you don't always know what that it's changing you or that there's that dramatic of a difference. Sometimes it's, people have different experiences. But it's in you. You are both forgiven and you are given. But there are other rules or layers to the Spirit. Let's read John 16, 7-15. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if you go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about the world to be in the world about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. About judgment and because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much to say to you more than you can now bear. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you only what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you, and all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what will make known to you. Okay, that I didn't read that really well, sorry. But I'll, I'll tighten that up here. When Jesus was about to leave the earth, he told his disciples that they should wait in the city until they are clothed with the power on high. They were about to get something great, but they had to wait for it. How many times do we wait for anything in our world? We don't want to wait for anything. We should know that the Spirit will come and convict people of both sin and give people power to live righteous. You should be... Note that if you pray for the power of, of the Spirit in your life, you also being pray, you are also praying that God would convict you of your sin and give you power to live righteous. So be careful in what you pray for, because you just might get it. Right? Do you want to be convicted of sin? Do you want power to live righteous? Then pray for the Spirit. Finally, we dig into Acts 2, which is most the well-known verses about the displays of the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you were going to do the movie, this is the special effects section, right? Acts 2, 1-6 through 6 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem and God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. It doesn't matter what language he spoke. If it was Wookiee, language java language or droid language it made no difference they each heard it in their own language the passage goes on to quote the joel scripture we read last week which is interesting because the question i asked last week when i read the when read, read that passage was is this the end times when these things are happening. And now Luke is quoting that passage, so I'm assuming that he's quoting that passage to tell us, guess what? We're in the end times now. The Spirit has come. 
doesn't matter whether you're old or young, male or female. You can have the Spirit of God in you. What does, the Pentecost, what does Pentecost, that Acts 2 section, teach us about the Holy Spirit? First, let me say that I do think in some ways that situation was unique. For example, that was the only time all the believers would ever, ever be gathered in one place. I mean, the, the, the movement has spread so quick and fast beyond them. That was the only time in history that probably all the believers were in one place. And the Spirit isn't always so showy with His display of power. But that doesn't mean the Spirit doesn't display His power today. In fact, you can argue that it's probably more widespread, the Holy Spirit and His workings today, than in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, it was confined to people for a particular place at a particular time. And when Jesus ascended, the Spirit was now available to all as we just said about the passage of Joel. So there is a form of the Spirit that comes, which is both miraculous and evangelistic, because it serves a purpose. See, when you have the miraculous happen, not for everybody, for for a large group of people, it is a wake-up call. Whoa. You mean this stuff's real? I just witnessed something that's beyond human understanding. I thought I, under, I thought I could comprehend all. We live in that age, right, where we think we can know it all, we think it, well, everything can be explained. But when God shows up and does something that can't be explained, for many people, it is like, okay, I guess this is true. There is a God. There is a spirit. Now, maybe our faith shouldn't be based always on miracles. I think there's danger to that because people start wanting miracles more than they want God. But you know what? If miracles would help grow our faith, at least some of our faith, and for people who don't know Christ, then boy, bring on the miracle. Right? Bring it on. I'm ready for it. Where does this leave us as Christians? Where does this leave us as a church? What can we hope for? What can we pray for? What does this mean if we have the Spirit in our lives? I wish I could tell you that it'd be like, you know, in Star Wars, there's a moment where he says, It's over. I have the high ground. I have the spirit. I wish we could say we have the spirit in full and that life would just be at our, you know. But that life doesn't work that way. Because God has to keep humbling us and life is going to be hard at times. And we're going to seek, keep needing to seek the spirit. It isn't something where we're just going to need it one day and then we'll be set. Because you know what? We're just too sinful. And we would abuse it if we didn't keep asking for it all the time. Next week we're going to get into uh, episode 3 called The Gifts Awaken. We're going to look at the letters of Paul. We're going to deal with those 
some of those strange, difficult passages about what those gifts are and whether they are relevant in the church today. I hope you'll be part of that. But even though we may come up with some different answers, because some of this stuff is definitely, you know, theologians and churches and denominations will disagree on some of this stuff. I hope we can agree that from what we've learned so far, that the Spirit of God is important. The Spirit of God is a being we can relate to, not a force. Not a, in, you know, and it's something we should desire in our lives. Maybe it might be the most important thing we should desire. And I don't know if I've prayed that prayer until recently. In a couple of weeks, we're going to offer us a couple of, couple different things uh, that our church is going to spring off of this series. And one of them is, is, um, is a chance to be prayed for, for the Spirit to be in you and be filled to you. And uh, I'm going to give you that chance. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to we're going to segue into a certain seven day week. Where we're going to challenge people to live by the Spirit, specifically for those seven days, it's as much as they can to live by the Spirit, and just to hear people share what happens in their lives uh, from that week. So we look forward to just jumping into the next next group. I hope you can join us. I hope you're thinking about this, praying about this, and of course, may His Spirit be with you today. Now go and live by His Spirit this week and to know God wants to walk with you each and every day. Have a good week.